Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, our featured guest is Pedro Alves. And Pedro is the founder and CEO of this great company called Opal.ai. That's Opal, O-P-L-E dot A-I. That's where you can find him and his team. And he's on a mission, and this is his vision, right? Simply making AI, artificial intelligence, easy. How do you make that easy? And for some of you listening right now, you probably don't even know what AI is. I didn't, not too long ago. But artificial intelligence, these are like the little chat bots and stuff that show up on Facebook that, uh, or on a website that you go to and it says, hey, can I help you? You know, it pops up the little window and you start to respond and you go, yeah, I'm looking for this. And they're like, well, here's our three products. What three products would you like? And you're like, well, I like this one. And then it takes you to the next one. And it's literally an artificial intelligence that's been pre-programmed to have a conversation with you that feels human. And we're going to talk about this with Pedro, why that's important in your small business right now, what you're missing out on if you're not using AI, and where the future is headed. And we're going to get into Pedro's story as well as entrepreneurial challenges, how he made it from the bottom to where he is right now running this large company. So we're going to get into that. But here's one thing you got to know about my guest today, Pedro uh, Alves. Pedro eats, sleeps, breathes, and loves data sciences. Right, So we're going to get into what that means and why this guy is so passionate about something that may be geeking you out right now. And that's okay. He's going to explain it. He's going to break it down in such a way that it, it's easy. And even if you're a seven-year-old, not like the super brilliant seven-year-old, but you're a seven-year-old, you can get why this is important, this conversation, and stop like living in the past with your technology. You really need to move forward with where the technological advances are in your business right now, or you're going to be left behind. Your customers are looking for it in that, that transaction, in that communication, in that relationship with your business right now. So with that, Pedro, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that intro. Um, I, I like to start by just touching upon the, you know, explanation of what is AI. Uh, I, I like to think it's a much broader uh, category of things than, than what you touched upon. Um, chatbots are certainly one of the most visible ways that AI presents itself to the world. Um, a lot of people actually think AI is this, you know, all-knowing computer that's looking after Sarah Connor trying to get her. Um, you know, and it's not, right? My definition of AI is a paper towel dispenser in the bathroom. That's AI. 
right? Because, how, do, how do you mean that? Go ahead. So, you know, you, you expect a human to respond in a certain way. So if you ask somebody, hey, can I have a paper towel, please? You expect intelligent behavior to say, sure, here's a paper towel. If you ask for a paper towel to a lobster or a snail, you don't expect it to give you a paper towel, right? Got it. So in a very small way, that is intelligent behavior, and that is human behavior, right? So the paper towel dispenser, you, it has a sensor, and you shove your hand in there, and it senses your hand and spits out a paper towel. So the way you ask it is by putting your hand there, and it responds correctly. So it's in a very mm. small, boxed-in way, mimicking human intelligent behavior, and it's artificial, hence artificial intelligence. Now, it's not general artificial intelligence. You can't do anything but that. But that is, in a very basic form, artificial intelligence. Um, got, so got that. So you really brought in that for me right now. And, and hey, I did the best I could with that intro in a space I don't know much about, right? And, and that's why you're on the show in Startup Nation. That's why I bring on experts like Pedro to come and explain like what it, this is all about, where the world is headed and what's, what's missing in your business right now. So even from the basic things like a paper towel dispenser, there's artificial intelligence. This is the world around you that you're taking for granted possibly. And how do you bring that into your business? So before we get into this, I want to go personal real quick, Pedro. And then we'll get into all this, you know, heady stuff. Um, go ahead and take a minute and uh, tell us something personal about you that very few people in your business actually know. In my business, in my company or in the space that I'm in? In the industry, in, in your business life. What's something personal very few people know about you? I have four kids. Nice. People close to me know that, obviously, but you know, I see people at conferences and they don't assume that when they just look at. Well, me. you look really young. I'm gonna give it a wild guess. I'm gonna go with 26. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I am not that. Where Where are you at? Do you want to share that? Come on, man. Put I'm me first. in my place. 36. That's yeah. awesome. You know, good. They say like uh, fatherhood, it keeps you young or something like that, right? So it's obviously working really? for you. Really? They say that? Yeah, sure <laughs> they do. The happy family say that. Well, yeah. But I mean, you do get some gray hairs every now and then. Yeah, I got it. That's why you keep it nice and tight on top there for a <laughs> video audience. Awesome. What's your favorite thing about raising your four kids? It's just, it's just the most wonderful thing. It's just it's so much love and happiness that they bring to your life. It's fantastic. Mm. Are they your why? Are they your big why? Why you're doing all of this? Or is this something else? Um, no, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think it's separate. I think it's just, this is just my own personal curiosity with AI. And I've always wanted to uh, start a company and, and have a dream that I can actually build and make a reality. Um, so I think that's the why for, for the company. It's just, I, I've been dreaming about this for many, many years Got it. Now, why do you live and breathe and love and sleep data science? Like, what does that mean to you? It's just, I see the potential. Um, I see what it can bring to companies. I started off doing data science and machine learning and genomics and doing research with Alzheimer's, with you know, cancer detection, all these things that could be super impactful to people. Uh, and then I moved into healthcare and doing rehospitalization predictions. So I, I started off in a lot of you know industries that actually will, it would have an immediate impact on a person's health and a person's life. Uh, and then you know after that I moved on to a lot of different industries. But you know I think it's it's so powerful, but it, yet it, we're so far away from using even what we have today. Forget about advancing AI. 
the AI that and the machine learning techniques that have existed for a couple of decades, at least maybe three, they're still not being used in so many places they can be used. So just getting the world up to speed. Um, I, I joke around every conference I go and I say when a big company wants to bring AI into them, it looks something like this. They'll spend one to two years trying to hire people. And after that, they'll spend the next two years realizing to hire the wrong people, firing them and starting over. And that's sad, but I say this and everybody at the conference is like smiling, nodding, come to me later. And they'll say, how did you know that? Like, how did you know that we did, just did that over the last four years? And that's not a good state to be in for mm. the field of AI, right? So that's something you don't want to be right about, but unfortunately you are. Currently, currently. Yeah, yeah. So what's the, what's the answer there like for them? Like, what are they doing wrong? What are they missing? So I don't think they're, I mean, you know, they don't have the right people to gauge the talent that they're trying to hire, right? Mm -hmm. So they have to do it and use their gut sense of, you know, is this person, does this person know enough? Are they going to be valuable to our team, et cetera? Uh, I think the biggest problem is not what they're doing. I think the problem is the field itself. Right now, the requirements for being a great data scientist, at least in my book, is you need to be a mathematician, statistician, machine learning scientist, software engineer, good communicator, understands the business. That is a unicorn. Like you, can't, you can't have many people that, that are like that. And you can never mass produce people like that, period. Mm. It, it's like the Wright brothers, they, they were the pilots, but they also built the planes. Imagine trying to build United Airlines back then. You can't train and hire 100,000 Wright brothers. The field of aviation had to advance so that the requirements for becoming a pilot were lower than a Wright brother. And then you can have a million pilots. And that is what needs to happen to AI is the requirements for doing that job need to be lowered so that we can have millions of people with the you know, skills to do that. And then every company will have a much easier time hiring people like that. That made a lot of sense. Are you one of those unicorns, if I could get real about it? I, I don't know. I'm a, yes, maybe. I don't know. I like to think so. I, I you know. It, so let me ask you this. Let me. Let me fine line between confidence and arrogance. And, and it's sure. a fine line, but I, I believe I am. Yes, I, I guess so. Good, good. So let me ask you a real question, right? And, and get real for Startup Nation. Are you struggling right now to uh, duplicate yourself as a founder of your company and owner? Um, so... We've had, we've had some good luck in hiring. Um, mm -hmm. we, I don't know what it is about us um, that has, has gardened that. So when we posted on LinkedIn, for example, they tell you, you know, for this amount of money, you're going to get these many applicants per month because they use their averages of, of spend and they have really good statistics, right? And for the money that we put in, uh, LinkedIn estimated we should be getting 26 applicants per month. We're getting about 50 to 60 a day. Um, so it's, and then we posted four jobs. And so like in the last three weeks, we have 1500 people apply um, for the four positions that we had. So we've, we've had some good luck with getting a lot of interest. And I, and I think people like the fact that we have a very technical founder. Um, mm. I think they, they like to see that. And I think it draws the, the technical people into the company and not, someone that doesn't understand and can't communicate with them because there's that gap between mm. you know, just business sense of AI versus, you know, in-depth understanding of the technology. Got it. So before we go back in time in your own personal entrepreneurial story, I'd like to just go broad for a second with you. 
Why do you think, well, before I go here, actually, um, my audience loves this context. How much revenue, approximate gross revenue, did your company do in the past 12 months? So we have booked revenue. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're counting that, then the signed book revenue is roughly $400,000. Got it. Cool. How long did it take you from start of this company to your yeah. first 100K? Uh, about a year and a half. Year and a half. Got it. And we'll go into that story, right? Because that, that's the year and a half of pain, right? There's a lot yeah. of pain and, and mistakes and oops type factors. Before we go there, um, let's back up for a second and go broad, okay? Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling and stuck um, trying to make their first 100K? Well... I think persistence might be one thing. I know at least on the raising side that the majority of startups quit before they get enough rejections. Like the majority of startups that succeed get about 20 to 30 rejections from investors. And the majority of startups that quit, quit after 10 rejections. They didn't even give themselves a chance to even get a yes, right? Um, the other one is, and I think this is probably apply, applies more to, to the revenue side, is um, conviction, right? You, you go, and, again, I'm gonna use the uh, analogy of the VC and, and having that conversation because I have more experience there, but I think it applies perfectly and you'll see. Um, you go and you talk to the first VC and they say, oh yeah, that's a good idea, but it's never gonna work unless you do A, B, and C. And then you talk to the second VC and they say, that's a great idea. The dumbest thing you could do is A, B, and C, you need to do X, Y, Z. And if you don't have any conviction, every next VC you talk to, you're gonna completely switch what you're doing and it's the same thing with customers. You're trying to sell a product and they're gonna go, yeah, but you need these features over here or these features over there. And you're never gonna please anyone if you keep changing, right? And it's this never ending chasing something that you're never gonna catch. Um, now, I'm not saying completely ignore everybody's feedback because at some point you have to listen to them, right? I, I mm -hmm. like the saying that says, you know, the first time someone calls your horse, punch him in the nose. The second time somebody calls your horse, you call them a jerk. The third time somebody calls your horse, maybe you want to go shopping for a saddle, right? Because maybe you're a horse. So same thing with customers or VCs, right? Like you don't change all the time, but if you're getting the same feedback over and over, then that's the difference between conviction and stubbornness. You know, be, have conviction. Don't, don't be stubborn. I'm going to jump in right there. Startup Nation, like... Man, Pedro just dropped a wisdom bomb on you and it can apply to so many areas of your business and your life. And, and the wisdom bomb is simply this, and it's my rule as well. I say it a little differently. He obviously has the thing with horses and saddles and that's totally cool, right? But it's like, if someone says something to you that challenges or conflicts to, with the way you're doing things, you don't have to pay attention. Unless it's someone you really trust and just kind of like, okay, acknowledge. If two people who don't really know each other say the same or similar thing, you may want to like perk your ears up and go, okay, you don't have to act on anything. If three or more random people say the exact same thing, that's when I take action on something. Or at least I go do the research and take a deeper look. And that's exactly what Pedro is saying right here. What in your business have one, two, or three people or more been telling you to do that you're not moving on. And then how do you like, and, and, and Pedro, you did a great job with this, is how do you take that and then hold it up against with your conviction 
the thing that you know is true for your business or where you're headed with the business and, and not be stubborn and resistant to reality when you have three or more people saying the same thing that's in conflict with what you believe. Like, did you ever wrestle with that? Describe that time. Um, in the, in the very beginning, we were going to get good feedback from people that wanted to use it and giving the product out for free. And, you know, there's this idea of you imagine what the, the customer is going to be like the actual user, right? And in our case, it's software. So you imagine, you know, there's the guy you're going to sell to, you know, and then there's the person that's actually going to use it. Right. And usually those are different people. And you obviously paint this a picture of, this is what this person would know. This is how they're going to react to the software. And I think the shock was the level of uh, knowledge in using the product was very different from the first people we got. And, you know, you keep wanting to tell yourself, well, maybe this is an exception. So a little more concrete is people are having struggling using something that I already thought was really simple. Mm -hmm. really really simple and it was like okay maybe this person is an exception maybe you know why don't they get it right and you want to tell yourself you built something good and, and that keeps going back no no i'm sure i tested with so many people and i asked you know but after a while you start saying okay you know this this you know this is not the exception this is the rule because the probability of you hitting three exceptions in a row you know, statistically speaking, you can just do the math. The p-value on that is so small that you just have to listen to it. And so it didn't take me a ton because I do like to keep that saying about the horse, you know, mm -hmm. in my head. But um, it actually was harder to convince people internally at Opal and the other engineers that weren't being exposed directly to the customer. And they were like, no, th this person doesn't know what they're talking about. I was like, no, trust me, that's going to be our average customer. That's not mm. the that's going to be the rule. And then convincing people internally to agree to that and the people that didn't have that exposure, which is harder because they obviously they didn't see what I saw in, in, at first hand. So. That's powerful. So Startup Nation, like listen to what, what uh, Pedro had to wrestle with, right? His internal team who are all really knowledgeable on his product, just like he is, are all saying, no, this, the customer obviously isn't that, they're not our ideal customer. That's not who we want. You know, they can't figure out basic stuff with our product. Like what the, what the heck, right? And Pedro took the time to go, wait, I've had three or more of these types of people who want to use my product saying they don't even get the basic stuff. And he paid attention right there. So where in your company is that happening? Are you missing with your client right now? Like with your end user where you're designing a product that you think is really simple, but it's actually way advanced for most of the people in the world who are going to use it. I know I've done that personally. It doesn't work. And sometimes I, you will waste so many months of your life, like trying to like do all these iterations when they don't even understand the first part of it. Right. So what, do you, what shows up for you in that, Pedro? Is there anything you want to add to that? No, no. It's All right, cool. Got it. All right. Let's, uh, let's go back to that first year, right? A year and a half it took you to, to get to 100K. Is that 100K in revenue that you, you got to or did you, was that including your capital raises, your investments from investors? No, no. Uh, that's booked revenue, uh, signed contracts from, from, from a customer. Um, yeah, we, we started off 
I had the first 100K from investment before I started the company. To Got it. Yeah. All right. So walk me through landing that first customer, getting that first book, right? Booked revenue. What was that like for you? Like paint us that, that picture. What was going on in your mind? Was there self-doubt? What was happening there? Yeah. So some of the hard parts were, you know, I, I had never been in sales myself. And the idea of a sales cycle for enterprise sales you know, never occurred to me how, how slow it can be, even with companies saying how fast they move. But fast for startup is how many hours till we fix this and not how many months till we close this deal. So getting used to that idea that fast meant many months in some cases, in some cases for some companies, mm. um, that, you know, I'm still not at peace with that. <laughs> um, but but that that was hard and you know how many meetings you have and how many people have to approve something um if it's a big contract uh and not you know because we're talking about six or seven figure contracts and so you know it, it's not an easy yes um on, on the good side some of the, the really positive experiences was seeing them actually interact with the product and like it so we we went to their headquarters and the CTO was there, the chief data scientist, and then probably three or four from the data science team. And so we wanted to have a good way of convincing them that the technology was real because the pros and cons of being in a hot space like AI, the, the pros is there's a lot of hype and excitement. The, the cons is there's a lot of people that are just smoke and mirrors. And so there's a lot of skepticism now. So we really need to convince them, hey, this tech does this crazy thing that we say it does. So we gave them a data set you know, a data set that's to build a model to predict something, meaning you have a data set about, you know, the stock market and you're trying to predict the, the prices, right? Or you're, you have a data set that's for people with car insurance who are trying to predict, are they going to get in a car, car crash in the next year? So we gave them a public data set <clears throat> and we told their data science team, try to build a model to predict this from a public data set and spend a week doing it. And when we go there for the demo, we're gonna show you a live demo with the same data set and see how we compare. Because what we're telling you is that this can build these models automatically better than a person and faster. <clears throat> so we go in the meeting and we ask the data scientist, did you spend a week playing with it? And he said, yes. And what accuracy did you get with that data set? He said, 76%, great. So we do the demo and in 20 minutes, our software gets the 90% accuracy. And we're feeling pretty good. And the CTO has this blank, like face just unimpressed and he's like bullshit i don't care what you're doing over there you chose that data set you might know something i don't know about it that doesn't mm. does not prove anything so he's he turns to his data scientist and said why don't you get one of our data sets and uh submit right now and i look over and i see the coo our coo and i see a little bead of sweat coming down his face you know can we do that? And I was like, yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. And I was like, okay, you know, that's pretty loud. Good, good, good way to demo it, I, I think. Um, so, you know, we do it, we put it in, and they tell us, you know, it took us three months tuning this thing to get to 93% accuracy. And they sold apparel online, fashion products, shoes and clothing and shirts. Um, <clears throat> that particular model was predicting once something is added to a cart, the probability that it's going to be actually purchased or not just sit there forever, or be, you know. So, Got it. We went back to chatting and 30 minutes later, we're looking at the screen and we got 93.3% accuracy. So 30 minutes versus three months. And we got a slight improvement in accuracy. What I loved was that the CTO looked equally calm and unimpressed, but, but he, he said, okay, 
this works. We don't have to do technical due diligence anymore. Let's talk numbers. <laughs> so, so, so he was sold right there on the spot. He was just stoic with his emotions, right? Exactly. You couldn't read his poker face. I liked it. I liked that about him. But he was built a business. He's like, okay, let, let, I don't even have to ask questions about the tech. I see it works. Let's just talk numbers. Let and me ask you a real question. When uh, they put that challenge on you, that was a real-time challenge. You said yes, right? That's what founders of companies do. We promise and then we figure it out, right? Yeah. What was going on in your mind? Did you have any doubt in your own product there? Or like, ooh, I really hope this goes well. It could not. I was very excited because that's what I want all the time is getting this type of data. And we had done this type of demo before. I felt pretty confident. Um, and let's assume instead of 93%, we had gotten 92 or 91. It's a half an hour versus three months. The value is still there. Right. And we can actually set the, the software to run longer to explore more and then, it, you know, end mm -hmm. up getting more. So I think we're pretty safe unless, I mean, obviously, if it was all smoke and mirrors, then, yeah, I'd be panicking. But it was until you know, we actually had something. So I, I felt pretty good about it. So Startup Nation, like, you know, with Pedro, it's like he's so confident in his product because he's tested it so many times. He knows it works. And when you know you have something of value that can really help people in their lives and their business, and you're confident in it, like how you can't stop like pushing that out in the world. You can't stop bringing that good value out in the world. So if you're struggling and, and you're wanting to quit, you're wanting to give up, I challenge you, like, look at your product. Like, how much do you really believe in it? Like, is it really going to do what you're telling people it's going to do? If it isn't, either go back to work on it and make it where it does what you promise or go find another product or create another product that's going to do that. Because if that's missing, like having certainty when you walk into a meeting or a deal, like that's a game changer. Like people read that on you. When Pedro walked in there and the stoic, whatever CEO of the other company, he's sizing Pedro up. He's, he's reading his body language in that, that meeting, that boardroom. He's throwing out the challenge to see if he, if he can make Pedro squirm in that moment. And I'm guessing Pedro held his own right there and took on the challenge and it actually lit Pedro up because he was like, yes, I finally get to show it like in a live demo and I'm gonna blow their socks off. That's, that's awesome. Pedro, let's step out of this for a second. Thanks for sharing that story. That was really cool. Uh, what would I speak a lot on this show about your superpower as a business owner? What's that one thing that nobody else has any business doing in your company because it naturally, it comes natural to you. And when you just apply yourself and do the work, like you shine, man, in that area, but you need to let go of all these other things that are distractions and hire the right people to do those where that's their strength. That's their superpower. What is that superpower for you in this business in opal.ai? Hmm. I'm struggling with picking. I, I, I like two of them uh, because they mirror the, the part, you know, the part of, of my brain that is excited by the technical aspect and one that's the non-technical. So on the non-technical is, is my passion. Uh, I love talking to people and basically just emanating passion and getting people to feel passionate about something that they weren't feeling passionate about five minutes ago. And, and, and I really like that. And I've always enjoyed that. On the technical aspect, I, I love puzzles. 
I love brain teasers. I have since I was like five years old and I'm very good at that. So whether it's somebody has a bug that they need help fi fixing or somebody has a technical problem that, you know, you know, this particular, you know, uh, part of the research of deep learning, nobody has ever done X, Y, or Z, you know, how can we figure this out? And then thinking about, can we use things from different fields or, you know, I, I like to think about, I think the biggest uh, impediment for people to solve puzzles, brain teasers, and then problems in life is, is assumptions, right? The, the idea of assumptions is, is very good, evolutionarily speaking, right? You make assumptions because it helps you as a species, uh, meaning, you know, you see fire and you see somebody get burned. You, you don't need to see it 100,000 times. You don't need to experience. You just make the assumption, you know what? Fire burns. And then you live with that assumption until proven otherwise. So assumptions help you, or, or you see a lion, you know, opening his mouth and you're like, is that lion roaring at me or yawning? Let me go find out. No, you just make an assumption. It's probably roaring and if I'm not going to care if it's yawning, I'm going to run. Right? So whenever you hear a puzzle or a brain teaser, your brain immediately creates assumptions to reduce the search space, right? Mm. And so you reduce the search space, which is efficient. And what people usually do is they'll search that search space. And when they finish and they don't find a solution, they'll say, I probably didn't look hard enough. And they'll look again harder and then again harder and then again harder and harder and harder and harder. And they forget to revisit their assumptions. So on the technical side, I think what I'm really good at is remembering and being very careful about what assumptions I'm making because a lot, of, a lot of times you're making an assumption not um, consciously. You don't even know you're making assumptions. You just think this is the full search space. There's no assumptions I'm making. And then you really think about it. Oh my gosh, I made an assumption. The search space without that assumption is actually this big. And the solution is all the way out here. I would never have found it if I didn't lift that assumption. So, so is this another way, fancy way of saying think outside the box? Yeah. I, I actually think it's different. Even though I did exactly draw a box and show you a solution outside the box, I know. Uh, because I think, I think outside the box implies thinking of different ways of doing something, mm -hmm. right? Of, oh, you know what? We're doing this and it's in the field of physics, but there's this cool idea from the field of genomics and what if we apply that over here? I think that's thinking outside the box. And what I'm saying, I think, is, you know, an engineer has a bug in their code and they say, well, it's impossible for the code to be here, 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 because that's how computers work. And so I'm going to look over here. Literally 90% of the time, the bug is right there where they said it's impossible for there to be a bug. Uh, so I think it's, it's slightly different, but yeah, my explanation was exactly showing solution outside the box. So you got me there. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, oh, I just, I, I, I just I saw it. it. I so, yeah. so, so startup nation, what I'm hearing, uh, what I'm hearing Pedro say, and you're probably hearing it as well right now, is begin to challenge your own assumptions. Challenge the assumptions you're making. Are your assumptions within the small little constrained box? Do you need to broaden the assumptions, right? And go bigger, right? Think outside the box with your assumptions, your box of assumptions, right? And I, and I think that's where that applies. I'm trying to marry the two yeah. as best I can here, Pedro. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. Cool. I think I did okay with that. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go into this. Um, what was the number one fear, limiting belief, self-doubt that really messed with your head your first year in this business? Uh, okay, so the, the ability to continue getting funded. So I got $300,000 to start the company. 
Okay. And I, you know, still had college debt and I have kids and I had a great paying salary from, you know, a job and I was supposed to quit all that. There's a lot of risk involved. And I looked at the numbers and I said, okay, I have 300,000. It was January. I was going to quit my job and I talked to my wife about it and said, okay, how long does this money last? And it would last till June. So not very long. And we're, you know, she was pregnant at the time with our fourth child. And when is the baby due? June. Great. So in June, you're going to be out of business, out of money, and we're going to have the fourth baby in our family. So that, you know, and, and the, one of the, the advisors that I trusted the most told me, and I really like this guy. We're friends, and I, he's been a serial entrepreneur. He said, you will run out of money before you can raise again. Do not start the company now. And when we had been speaking about that, and he hadn't been that direct uh, before, he had been a little more indirect. He, he, didn't, he wasn't so assertive that for sure this is going to happen. The day he said that was the day I had called him to tell him I had already quit my job. So I called him to say, I quit my job. Blah, blah, blah. And before I got a chance to say that, he said, you know, I've been thinking about that and you shouldn't do it because now I'm sure you're going to run out of money. And I, I was like, oh, I called you to tell you I already did it. I already quit. I just quit my job and I just took the money. And it's one of those pieces of advice that I heard and believed, but I couldn't take. The reason I couldn't take was the, where I was with the current position in the current the company and where they were heading. Uh, and the timing, I believed that there was a non-zero chance that if I didn't start the company right then, I might miss the boat. I mean, it wasn't a big probability, but even a 1% probability scared me enough because I was so passionate about this dream. I, I wanted no chance that I was going to miss the boat. So, so uh, let me just pause you for a second there. So what I'm hearing you say is like the fear of missing the boat in your industry with your product was a bigger fear to you than the fear of like running out of money with your family and a fourth baby on the way? I never phrased it that way, but now that you say it that way, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Because I mean, at the very worst, I knew the market here is so hungry for, for data scientists that it, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It wouldn't take me very long to, to get back on something. Sure, it still felt risky, but, but I did feel like that, yes, that, that fear of missing the boat and then building my dream was, was certainly scarier to me. Startup Nation, do you have the fear of missing the boat so bad like Pedro did that you're willing to risk your family, your finances, your house, your livelihood, the new baby on the way? Are you willing to go there like Pedro did? Because if you're not, I don't know what to say to that. I don't even know if that's the right call or the wrong call. For Pedro, he risked it all. And yes. it's paid off. Go ahead, Pedro. Yeah. Uh, it actually is funny because um, it mirrors the choice I had in having my first baby. I was still in school. I was in a PhD program. And my, we had been married for a couple of years. And my wife said, you know, we should have a baby now. We had wanted a baby. And it... it scared me at first. I was like, not expecting it. And then I started coming up with all these reasons why not. I still don't have a job. I don't get paid much. And I'm still in school. I want to finish my, my dissertation. And she said, you know, one argument, I, I argue things very strongly. When I get into an argument, I like, but I believe that that's how an argument should be. Both people should argue at their best 
to come to the best outcome. So you're both winners. There's no losers in an argument because you, one person was correct. The other person actually learned something new and got to the truth. So um, after I, I, I argue very hard, but change my mind very quickly if convinced. What was your, what was your wife's argument that persuaded she you in minutes? One thing, she said one thing. She said, it's always going to be hard having a baby. There will never be a time that there's nothing else going on in our lives that we go, you know what? There's nothing in our lives. Let's go have a baby. So whenever we have a baby, it'll be hard. You know what you were doing back then, Pedro? You had a really small box of assumptions and your <laughs> wife had a very large box of assumptions. She, yeah, and, and she saw the thing. She, and, and she said that, it took me about 30 seconds. And she thought I was joking when I changed my mind because I was arguing so passionately for 10 minutes. And in 30 seconds, I was like, yep, that makes perfect sense. You're right, let's do it. So I think, you know, with a business, I think it was a similar idea of this is going to be really hard no matter when we do it starting the business so might as well do it now i got it man i really like i think that's hilarious that your wife used the the whole challenger assumptions on you and boom you got it and you probably loved it and you'd be like this is why i married you <laughs> yep got it all right bro what is the best uh business advice you've ever received that's really helped you along the way maybe to avoid danger or ex accelerate faster what's that that piece of advice hire for culture i think is is a very good one i think break that down in like two sentences what does that mean to people not because of their technical chops i mean sure they need that but a team that works together a team that shares the passion the vision and I don't hire anybody that's looking for a job. I'm I hiring people that want to work at Opal and nothing but Opal. And they show me and convince me of that. And not, you know, they give me, I say, you know, why do you want to work at Opal? And they give me an answer that's generic. It could have applied to anywhere. Like, yeah, no, you know, that's not why you want to work at Opal. That's why you want a job to get paid. This, this is not a job for you to get paid. This is, you're building a dream and you need to believe in that dream. And when you have a team that everyone in that team is like that, then, you know, you can build a dream. What do you want to say to the listener right now, Pedro, that is right at the cusp of hiring their first employee? And you remember what that was like, how scary that is, how you got to match make. It's like taking on a spouse. What do you want to say to them right now? Like, what's that, that one thing? It's, I think it's, it's, it's the same. It's, you know, you need somebody that compliments you, sure, but you can find the, the best person that compliments you. If they're not going to be a fit, it's, it's just not going to work out. It's not worth it. It's not worth getting a person that's slightly better technically. If they're not going to be a fit culture wise, uh, it's just going to be headaches. People problems are big problems for companies and you want to avoid those as much as possible. You want to make sure that that's not on your list of problems because they could be the biggest. All right. You get that startup nation. Like hold off on bringing on a partner or your first employee until you find one that only, want to work, only wants to work with you, that is as passionate about your vision, where you're going, the company, the culture, as you are. Until you find that, hold off, wait, keep wearing the hats, keep doing it, but get the message out there so that more people are aware of what you're doing and want to buy into that vision. Pedro, share with us one of your daily habits that helped you make your first 100K. 
I like to set, I mean, working out, I think is very important and I think it really helps. I don't do that daily, probably three to five times a week, but, but not daily. Um, I think just having some moments of creative thinking, uh, for me, it's listening to dubstep. It calms me down <laughs> and, and taking the time to just let my brain step out and, and, you know, People are really good at predicting movie storylines, right? You're watching a movie and you look, look at that idiot. How does he not see that blah, blah, blah is going to happen? We're very good at that. And somehow we're very bad at doing that to our own lives. But it's the same thing. We're good at also predicting other people's lives and saying, you know, stupid here, idiot there. And, you know, and we don't do that to ourselves enough. And so having that moment of stepping out, looking at yourself that trying to do that same thing to yourself and not holding on to pride or, or, you know, any of that, not, you know, worrying about hurting your own ego by calling yourself an idiot. And like, wow, if, if I was somebody else looking, what are the biggest things that I would call myself on and saying, you know, I'm doing this or this, that if I saw it in a movie, I would know that's not going to work out well. And that, that's hard to do. That's a very hard exercise. But, but I like doing that. Uh, I think it's really helpful. You catch yourself doing things that would be cliches in movies and you don't realize it until you start to think about it. Startup Nation, if you're like Pedro and you have that gifting, because it is a special gifting to step back and look at yourself and your life and to see your own blind spots from the vantage point of within to look without, like to look from the inside to the outside is very difficult to do. That's a skill set. If you do not have that, like myself, then I encourage you, go get a coach, go get a mentor, someone you trust, someone you admire, and ask them to look at your blind spots and give them full permission to hurt your ego, to offend you, to help you uh, avoid danger or to help you advance and accelerate to where you're saying you want to go. Give them that permission to speak freely, even if it stings a little. And you will so much accelerate towards success, towards your first 100K. What shows up for you in that, Pedro, that you want to add to? I just want to add, you said, give them the permission to do that. I'll take it a step further and say, don't ever be the kind of person that the other person feels like you need to give them permission to be like that. You want people to be like that around you all the time and not, I need permission in order to. So we, that's one of the most important things in the culture here. And it can be pretty in your face, right? But there's no BS. The, the other day we were in a full company meeting and I had some idea and I just blurted it out. And the head of engineering said, that is effing stupid. And I was so happy when he said that. I was smiling. And the reason is, in my head, I was thinking, great, because all the time we're telling all these employees that this is the culture, you can say anything, speak up, and there's no way they believe that unless they actually see it in action. You know, 100%. And he felt safe enough to say that to the CEO of the company because that's how you show up in the culture. Yeah. And sometimes we go into the discussion and it ends up being that it is a stupid idea. And sometimes we go into the discussion and we find out, oh, actually this time it was not a stupid idea. But nobody gets to get to that conversation if nobody challenges it. If I say it and everybody just goes, oh, yeah, okay, Mm, sounds good. Then we might spend three months doing some stupid idea I had that day. (laughs) 
Yeah, let's not do that, right? Yeah. Startup Nation, that's some awesome, awesome wisdom right there. Show up as the person that everybody knows they could be upfront with and just tell you like it is because you're not a little sensitive Sally. You actually want to go places in your life, right? So what is the one thing, Pedro, that you want Startup Nation, that you want the world to know about not only being successful in business, but making your first 100K as fast as humanly possible? What's that one thing? Proud, but never satisfied. So break, break that down. Proud, but never satisfied. I, that's probably one of my, my faults. I, I'm not very good at giving compliments because when somebody achieves something, I'm immediately thinking, what could have done better? How can we improve on it? And it's not that I don't appreciate what they've done. It's just that I'm never satisfied. Now, if I just say never satisfied, it feels very negative and very, right? But you can be proud. So I, I was hiring somebody on a Sunday at a birthday party on the phone. And <clears throat> I, I was supposed to have hired three people by that last Friday. I had hired two and it was Sunday and I finished and hired a person on the phone on Sunday. I hung up, a friend was next to me and he said, man, congratulations. You just, you just hired somebody on Sunday, you grew your team. And I was like, yeah, but I was supposed to have hired three people th two days ago and today is Sunday and that's when I hired the third person. They said, well, two days late is early for a startup. And I have heard many variations of that same saying. And I thought about it a lot and I was like, no, you know, it's the opposite. For a big company, time can, they can wait, they can afford time, especially for a startup. On time is late for a startup, early is late. So I say to my engineers, if there's something that people normally do in 20 days, I'm gonna want you to do it in 10. And if you pull off a miracle and do it in nine, next time I'm gonna want you to do it in eight, right? That's the never satisfied. I don't care how fast you do it, I'm never gonna be satisfied. My goal is to raise around in 24 hours from the first meeting with the investor to money in the bank in 24 hours. All right, so I, let me stop you right there, right? Because that's an important thing we don't wanna miss, right? So you're creating a culture where you're the CEO, the owner, you are never satisfied. And even when they over deliver and create a miracle, now you want more. That could easily turn into a negative morale with your team. How do yeah. you avoid that? So there's two things there. One is the proud part. We can celebrate and be proud. Just because we're not satisfied doesn't mean that we're not happy. Those so, you, so you celebrate, you have the small victory, and then you're like, all right, how do we do it better? Yes. I, I think that that keeps the idea that we accomplished something great just because I'm not satisfied. Right? Like Usain Bolt is probably never satisfied, even though he's winning gold every year. Right? He, he's always, well, how can I run it two-tenths of a second faster? That's how he stays number one. So, so to me, that's almost like not, not satisfied. It's always striving for excellence. Yeah. So how do we achieve more excellence in that? So I think two different ways of saying, it. all right, we're going to wrap up this show. Uh, guys, Startup Nation, we are listen, listening to Pedro Alves. He's the founder and CEO over at opal.ai. That's where you can find him, opal, O-P-L-E.ai. And in two sentences, um, Pedro, go ahead and share what you do at Opal for, for our people and break it down into non-geek speak, please. AI is supposed to be the new electricity, right? Say that again. AI is supposed to be the new electricity. Got it. And, and impact all the industries. Artificial and, intelligence, yep. And a, electricity, the phone, the computer, the car, 
they only impacted society when they became easy, cheap, and ubiquitous. AI is not one of those three things. We're going to turn AI into all these three things. Love it. So a small business, what is, what's your target client? Who do you work with? What company size? Right now, medium to large, but we're starting to get some small customers uh, as well. Teams with what? just a single data scientist or even not a data scientist, but a software engineer that wants to be a data scientist, they can with our software. Got it. And what's the, the number one benefit they would get by working with you? They're going to be able to optimize anything in their business. I mean, if you're manufacturing, you can build a model to predict how much you should order, predictive maintenance of the machines, logistics. I mean, you could use you know, machine learning and AI to predict every little aspect of your business. Sales, who to invest in, who to sell to, the probability that a sale is going to close so then you invest your time correctly. What sales strategy is going to work, email or mail or in person or phone call. You can build machine learning models to predict all those things. That's powerful stuff. Startup Nation, if you could turn three months of research and work into 30 minutes, that is what Pedro and his team do over at opal.ai. All right. So Pedro, this is my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. This is where I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Okay. I know your, your brain likes to do puzzle solving, but first, uh, first thing that comes to you, are you ready, sir? I, as much as I'm going to be. All right. What's your favorite sound? Dubstep. Got it. What's your least favorite sound? <laughs> Sometimes dubstep. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A mad scientist. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Pass. No, no. there is no pass on my show. What are you most afraid of? Pass. Everyone has something. I really don't know how to answer that question. It could be in your um, personal I, life. It could be anywhere. What are you most afraid of, dude? Uh, I guess, uh, you know, losing, losing my family, like a tragedy. Uh, that, 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 there you uh, go. That's yeah. real, man. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Uh, asking people for money. <laughs> Got that. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, secret fear? About yeah, like how you relate to people, how they look at you. We all have them. What secret fear do you have about people? This, I'm doing terribly at this three-second thing. Um, Come on, you're a problem solver. Let's go puzzle pieces, baby. I know. It's the opposite. It's all the right, opposite. I'm a circle back on that one. All what right. do you wish you had learned sooner in this business? Um, some of the uh, requirements from the customers. Uh, I think I, I wish that I had been a little more in tune with some of the things that I didn't expect customers would want in the product. So got yeah. that. Yeah. What's a new habit you want to form? A new habit I want to form. Uh, more strict scheduling. Uh, I'm very sporadic with when I do things uh, during the day. So got I, it. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Bad habit I want to break. Uh, context switching too frequently. Doing, doing what? Switching what? Context switching. Oh, context switching context. Yeah. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Passion, AI, passion twice. <laughs> Got it. Pick, <laughs> pick three words to describe who you are your first year in the business. I'm going to say passion, excitement, and anxiety. <laughs> 
I get that. Yeah. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Pedro, passion, AI. That's it. That's <laughs> all it says. Got it. And just so I don't let you off the hook because my audience will shoot me yeah, for this. Yeah. What secret fear do you have about people, Pedro? I guess, let's see. Can it, can it be something? Okay, so um, I'm proud of the level of honesty I have. And when I first meet people and I'm new to someone, I have no problems if they don't believe that I'm honest because I have no expectations of that because they just met me. So if they have some assumption of, you know, I, I don't know if I trust them, that doesn't bother me. It bothers me if it's someone that I've known for a long time and they still mm. don't feel that level of trust because it tells me, what am I doing, you know, because I'm trying to be so upfront and honest. What am mm. I doing that in the back of their mind, this person that knows me for a year or more still doesn't, didn't get there. Yeah, I get that. So the secret fear you have about people is that people that know you and know who you are, when they distrust you, will they distrust you? That's, yeah. a, that's a big one. Uh, last question, brother. If you could come back to life and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Love your life. Just live. Just have fun. I mean, that's, it's not business. Just have fun with what you're doing. Awesome. Well, listen, Pedro, thanks for being on the show. Where can uh, my listeners uh, reach out to you? Where can they find you? Um, at, on LinkedIn, I think it's an easy place. Pedro Alves and look at Opal. Uh, I should be pretty uh, uh, up on top. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn or um, through our website, uh, opal.ai. Uh, you can reach out there, I'll send emails there, and it'll get to me. Gotcha. Startup Nation, that's Pedro Alves. It's spelled A-L-V-E-S. You can find him on LinkedIn. He's been a great guest on the show. He opened up our minds to, you know, this data science. He's opened up our minds to the struggles he's gone through, both raising money, both building a team, and really just kind of like, this is the mental game of entrepreneurship we all sit with. And we're all the same in our struggles. So stop pretending like you're that unique. You're actually not. You have the same struggles that Pedro went through. He's just a few exits past you. That's all, right? And that's what's awesome about having these uh, great CEOs and founders on this show. So I am Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. So Pedro, I want to say thanks for joining us today. I wish you peace, love, and your next 100K, sir. All right. Thank you. All right. Cool. And to Startup Nation, I want to say this to you as well. I have a, another podcast called Broken Catholic. And what I'm standing for, the new vision I'm creating, is unifying or building faith into your business. So wherever you are in your spirituality, how do you bring your faith into your business seamlessly so that you're not living this dual life, right? We all have this duality where we show up to work and we just kind of like drop our, our, our spiritual side and our faith and our morals and values sometimes. And that doesn't work. We end up becoming what I call bipolar Christians. So uh, check out brokencatholic.com if you want to check that out. And again, this show is first 100K. Um, I Again, I just want to say to you, like, thanks for showing up every single week. I just acknowledge you. This show wouldn't happen without you. This show is now reaching listeners in 50 countries. Like, that's insane. You're awesome. Keep listening. I'll see you right back here next week. God bless you.